everybody. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Free podcast with your host, Kai Wilson. And today, I'm happy to have you back joining me. I have some great guests here. Um, Before we get into our session, as I said before, I'm going to start recognizing um, some of my reviews, people that share with me and give me encouragement, hope, and feedback. So this week, I want to share, I'm going to start sharing from the Apple reviews. I have not shared Apple reviews since day one. So I'm going to share um, four of the Apple reviews that have come in um, since the beginning. And I'll just go through these quickly. But I want to thank uh, Ebold18. And he said, great show on the details of assessing financial freedom. Right show, right time. Kai is the Black Susie Orman. And I'll just let you guys know, I've been called the Black Susie Orman for 20 years. And I used to follow Susie Orman too. So thank you, Ebold18. Next review I got was from Wildcat Girl 61, which I'm sure this is somebody from my hometown of Evanston because we were the wild, well, they're the Wildcats for Northwestern. But it says, a new voice in the financial education sphere who promises to touch all aspects of finance and provide tools for education. It will be interesting to follow along each week and pick up skills and knowledge. So thank you, Wildcat Girls 61. Then I have Summer Boyd, who said, this is a refreshing podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed the content. It wasn't political, just common, sensible, and legacy ideals. Thank you, Summer Boyd. And those are my four reviews. Oh, no, I missed one. Okay, one more. Uh, title, Lifetime of Making Money, and this is from Cake Chi. The skills of budgeting and making your money work for you are especially important during these uncertain times. Kai's knowledge, her soothing voice, and her ability to honestly share her personal and educational journey to financial literacy, oh, sorry, to financial literacy makes me want to listen more. I'm looking forward to the next podcast and learning about how to better advocate my finances. So those are the four reviews I've gotten so far on the Apple, um, Apple Podcast app. Thank you very much. I've not been pushing that, but if you do listen on Apple, if you could um, give me a rating and leave a review if you so choose, I would really appreciate it. Again, just trying to g- build my base, so share it, review, whatever you can. And then also I'm going to, I'm not going to read these reviews because I don't want to spend the whole time right now reading reviews, but I got several YouTube uh, comments. I guess they're just comments that came in. So thank you guys who listened on YouTube. I got Tandra H, Danny L, and Tierra D. Tierra D, what's up? So Tierra D was one of the winners. The opening week I did the trivia review. And Tierra, I believe she's in Texas. Um, Tierra was the winner of one of the t-shirts. And I'll share a picture if she lets me of her in the t-shirt. Then I have my mom, Marsha, and my auntie, Jerry also left reviews for me on YouTube. Actually, and my niece, Genevieve. I didn't write hers down, but my niece, Genevieve, also left me a review. So thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed the first video podcast. There will be more coming up. We've got some scheduled. Um, so we'll let you know. And also, I have a review that came in from my friend, Lebo. I will read that one. He left a recording, but I'm just going to read what he sent. Okay, he says, the African man, wherever in the world he might be, we, are, we all have only one God, and that's the African woman. The Nungi call their man Amakosi, directly translates to kings. Their women are called 
Ama Kozazi, which directly translates to God King. Realize your essence is divine. We are not black, we are African. Whenever we, wherever we possibly are, our home is always Africa and we are gods and our gods are always African women. Peace, love and harmony to you and yours. We had a little discussion, Lebo and I, because I was, I was wondering where he was getting all these wonderful sayings. I'm loving them all. And he said they're just, um, they're just being sent to him, tunneled to him through the universe. He said the vibrations that I'm putting out is what he's receiving back. And he's just sharing them with me. So I appreciate that. That means a whole lot to me. So next week, I will read some more reviews. Thank you very much. You guys keep them coming. All right. So today we are going to have a podcast around We're basically this one's going to be a budgeting. It's going to go under my budgeting podcast titles. And I have two wonderful guests here with me. Um, Both of them have a lot of experience in different ways, but we're going to have a discussion here about budgeting and we'll roll over into some additional things. Um, First person, you've already heard this voice. So the first person you heard speaking was my friend Link Green. Um, Link Green is a fintech expert and a cryptocurrency expert. And I coincidentally met him through cryptocurrency. I don't know about three or four years ago, maybe something like that. Uh, We were five. Okay. Yeah. So we were members of a cryptocurrency. Well, we're still members of (laughs) cryptocurrency groups together. Um, And I've known him five years. I I just met Link face to face this year. So that's pretty funny. Yeah. I feel like we've been old, old friends, and I just physically touched him and laid eyes on him for the first time. (laughs) Him and his girlfriend, Bree, and it was really great to spend time with them. So I look forward to seeing you guys again. Um, Oh, good. Come on back, doors open. (laughs) So you can find Link on his YouTube channel. He's Link Green, the chemist. He's got a lot of videos, a lot of knowledge. Um, We're both in cryptocurrency, but again, he's the expert. I would say I'm uh, moderate. (laughs) I'm not the expert. I'm the moderate level. Um, But yeah, he does a little bit more than I do. So Link, thank you for coming. I'd like you to go ahead and and take a minute, introduce yourself, tell everybody anything you'd like them to know. No problem. So uh, thank you for having me. Firstly, um, as Kai said, uh, I'm I'm what they would consider a fintech expert. I've been in cryptocurrency for um, actually... When I met Kai and we got into those initial groups, that's when I started getting into cryptocurrency. Um, I was in the military at the time and I was a a lower rank. I didn't make much money. So cryptocurrency helped me to to really supplement my income. Um, And I'm expecting to get a great deal of information on budgeting because since those days, um, up until now, my budgeting skills haven't been the best. So I'm actually here to teach as much as I am to learn from these two beautiful young ladies. So thank you for having me. He's got all that money, guys, from cryptocurrency. (laughs) He needs to know how to spend it and save it. (laughs) So we're going to help him. So my next guest, man, this is a beautiful lady. Um, I actually was introduced to her through Link Green. So it was a really good connection. I'm very happy to meet her and to work with her from today and into the future. Her name is Miss Betty Lewis. She is a budgeting expert, budgeting and finance expert. She's a financial coach. Um, This past Sunday, if you guys get a chance, and she'll talk more about it, but this last Sunday, I joined her on her Sunday event she holds every week on Facebook Live. 
Um, it's called Sip and Save Sunday with Rebellious Visionaries. It was a really good time. And you should go because you get to drink. So I don't know how many events you get to go to where you get to drink, but that was pretty cool. I was not prepared. I was eating my dinner and drinking grape juice, but she had her nice, wonderful drink. It looked great. Um, so yeah, join her on her Sip and, Sip and Save Sundays. I'll, again, I'll share all the information in the links provided. But um, yeah, so um, Betty, thank you very much for coming. I'm very happy to have you. Um, could you share with us a little information about your history and what you do? So I help women learn how to manage their money. Um, a lot of times, you know, people don't understand the differences between a financial coach and a financial advisor. Um, and so I, I like to kind of be super clear about what those differences are. Financial advisors are people who um, help you with investing and financial coaching is someone who helps you with your everyday spending. So all the things that go into creating enough wealth to invest in the first place. So the difference between a financial coach and a financial advisor is financial advisors help you with long-term investing, um, whereas financial coaches are helping you with your everyday spending. So that's the problem that most people are having. They're not able to see where their money is going. Um, they're overspending or they're living a life of scarcity because they don't know that they actually do have money in their budgets and they need help being able to see it. Um, they are, are in incredible debt and can't figure out how to get out of it. They want to save, they want to buy homes. That's a, a very big goal for a lot of people, but they can't figure out how to come up with the money to be able to put money down. I am a house hacking queen. And so I help people leverage um, using house hacking in order to create significantly more income in their budgets so that anything, it is, anything that they want to do feels possible. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to want to hear more about the house hacking, but that is quite <laughs> right. I know I've never heard of house hacking, so I love that. So thank mm -hmm. you very much for coming. Um, I think this is going to be a good conversation. We have a lot of information here between the three of us. So let's start with, um, I guess, Betty, let's still start with you. So as far as for what, what you want to share, as far as people coming in to you, coming in to get services with you or to help you, who is your ideal client? Um, what are things that you would like for people to have or be prepared with if they were going to come in and have a, a meeting with you or, or hire you as their coach? Um, my ideal client is someone who is rebellious in nature, somebody who's willing to think outside the box, who's flexible to their approach, um, because squeezing a dollar... <laughs> you know, out of a rock can sometimes be hard and it requires some creative thinking. It requires you to do things differently, to live a different lifestyle sometimes. And you have to be willing to get out of your own way and not worry about keeping up with the Joneses and be different than the Joneses. Um, and so my ideal client is somebody who is not bothered by what everybody else is doing. They will do whatever it is they need to do to, to get on the path that they want to be on. Um, especially like helping women who want to become owners but are flexible with their living situation. I talked a little bit earlier about house hacking. Um, house hacking is something people are familiar with, but the term itself is, is I think, what's unfamiliar to people. House hacking is basically 
living in a shared space or a shared building um, in order to create more income for yourself. So what that looks like usually is I grew up in New Jersey. And so I grew up seeing duplexes all the time, but I didn't really think about it in this capacity. Um, you can buy, you know, with an FHA loan, your first home up to four units um, with an FHA loan, which is only three and a half down. Um, and then you can take a property, let's say you buy a four family home, rent out three of the units and collect enough rent from those units to pay your entire mortgage. And so for people who feel like I don't have any money in my budget to save, I don't have any money in my budget to start my business, I don't have any you know, money in my budget, that is a very good way to have a quick win in significantly reducing your housing expense. The three areas we spend the most on our budget is our housing, our transportation, and our food. Um, if you're a foodie like me, that one's going to be hard, harder. Transportation, depending on where you live, that might be harder. I live, you know, in Virginia now, um, and nothing is up the street. I, when people tell me things are at the corner, that, that's not what they mean. Um, it's a couple miles away. But when I lived in New Jersey, being able to adjust my transportation might have been a little bit different because public, ex, you know, public transportation is a thing. You guys have trains, you know, light rails you know, buses, all those things are going on. But down here, you, you need some transportation. So that might be another expense that it's harder for other people to cut down. Housing, whether you live in the city or whether you live in the country, you have opportunities to leverage that space to, to house hack. So what that would look like in, you know, the country might be leveraging your land, building another property or structure on your land in order to be able to maybe rent that out as an Airbnb. Um, if, you know, one way that I, I didn't realize I was house hacking was even when I was homeless. I was living in a transition shelter um, 15 years ago, no, 12 years ago, my daughter and I, we lived in a transition shelter and I had a roommate at the time and we were sharing rent in that space. And I didn't really think about it in that way. And this is the difference. When people feel like they live with somebody else, there's this mindset that, oh, if I'm living with someone, that's an indicator that I'm struggling. And so people are resistant to house hacking to moving into a duplex or to having a roommate because it will appear as though they're struggling financially. But if your mindset is set to a goal, that's not what that is. You're living together. You look at every other culture, they have this focus on interdependence. Mm -hmm. But American culture is focused, they value independence. You are not successful unless you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But we are the only culture of people who feel that way. And so we will look at people coming to this country who make less than us the entire time and somehow manage to have buy house after house, start business after business because they leverage house hacking. You see them, they live together. When I was growing up in, in Plainfields, I would see these houses, like there was like a, a, a duplex that was a couple houses and a Hispanic family come in and it's like, you know, 12, 14 people looking like they're living in a house. And I thought it was peculiar then, but I didn't see the bigger picture. These are the same people who are now buying up half of downtown Plainfield mm -hmm. because they've saved so much living in that space that they can right. afford to buy a shop, afford to have businesses where they can hire their kids. So their kids never have to fight the system for a job. Their kids don't have to decide, well, do I go to college and take on $60,000 of debt to be a secretary? Right. They could just be a secretary in their daddy's company mm -hmm. because they have started with house hacking to leverage that area of their budget to create income for themselves. So... I guess I can say slash real estate on this episode. I did a real estate episode already. And in the first part of the real estate episode, I talked about this concept. So I didn't know it had a name, house hacking. I had no idea. Yeah, neither did I. But I was fully aware of the concept. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing that. That I love it. Um, I don't know if I'll have to have another episode really soon about house hacking. You've 
you covered that pretty well. But um, when I do have another episode, we will call you back on for that one as well. Yeah, so that, that was that, that's a great point. Like like um, I don't know if we said this. We're from actually the same uh, town in, in in New Jersey, and um, I'm thinking about what Betty is saying. And they're just a few. Her and my cousins are a few years older than me. But this was the '90s when you know Guatemalans and and Salvadorians started to move into playing field. And now you're thinking like this is only like what 20, 30 years later. And they, they own, she said half of downtown, the block. they own the entire downtown. <laughs> right. Yeah. And most of the houses in Plainfield. So, you know, that was really quick. And I never thought about it like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I talk about my, my part of budget and financing with people, I'm, I am a stickler about that. How we don't pool money together enough. We don't work together enough. Um, it's a lot of whole bunch of, it's a bunch of underlying issues. Why we don't as a culture do that. But once we can get this, um, this down, <laughs> uh, we will move ahead. And I mean, I've even researched it all the way down to marriage rates. So I have a, I've been researching, I've been reading, I'm, I'm reading a book. I'm going to try to get an author on here who talks about how finances, how marriage affects finances. And of oh, course, yeah, yeah. we're the culture with the lowest marriage rate. And we're also the culture with the lowest uh, wealth rate. So there yeah. is a correlation between all of this stuff, house hacking, marriage rates, it all ties in together with wealth and whatever. It's, it's really hurting our community. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for ex- describing house hacking to me. So I was aware of it, but I did not know it was a term. And I definitely would send people your way to help. And Link, I think a while ago, you shared a house hacking. Remember, um, you had a discussion a while ago with um, the single moms. Uh, there was the grant. It was a form of kind of house hacking, grant hacking. Oh, 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 oh going to yeah, do the daycare yeah, yeah. So, and then... Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, man, I have a few things running through my head in, in, in light of what, what was said, but definitely. So you can get a grant. Um, a few people can get a, get a, a nonprofit licensed, right, mm-hmm. in whatever state they're in for a couple hundred dollars. And um, they can get a grant. They, can get, they have grant writing workshops, et cetera. Um, for especially during this time when everyone needs home care for their children and you know it's 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 a, it's a peak it's at it's at peak so they can get grants to be able to run their own daycare centers and, and that and in that grant they will actually purchase a building for them you, they can get grant money for a building or a home so you can live out of it because you know you can have your business where your uh, mm-hmm. your business address at your home address mm-hmm. so they can live out of it they can write it off uh, you know IKEA is a nonprofit. So you can have a for-profit model with a nonprofit. And that's what people always tell me, like, well, if this is a daycare, then how, you know, how can they charge for it? Well, you can have a for-profit model. Furthermore, um, there are stipends. The government gives these, these low-income families stipends for their children. Like I said, I was in the military, I had a young child. We didn't make much, so we got stipends, even in the military. So if you're in an area like um, like Betty is, where there's a lot of military people, you would that's a really good area to do that in, because uh, there's a lot of low-ranking military people there with children. And on base, they charge you a lot of money. Um, and they have wait lists mm-hmm. for months on base. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, that came to mind because when you talked about that idea, that was wonderful. My daughter's was already too old for the daycare. She was in school at that time, but that's a great model for people with children and young children. And right now, my goodness, would it, would it help for a lot of people to do that? So yeah. I'm going back to budgeting. So of course, budgeting is a little bit of what I do. I guess I'm more of a financial advisor than a coach, although my title goes back and forth, just depending on the client. Um, 
So when I'm working with people as far as budgeting, one of the major tasks that I ask people to do when they first start is record their transactions. So Betty, like you said, I'm a, I'm a true foodie. People don't think so. They're like, oh my gosh, you're so thin. You can't eat that much. Yes, I do. I love to eat. I love to eat. I love to eat. It's in the budget. But I have a budget for that. So when I first start with any customer, friend, anybody, and it's, it's a budgeting issue, I always have them start with keeping a, a budgeting tracker of some type. Um, I, I want them to write down where they spend their money every single day of the week. And I usually have them do it for a minimum of one month. So because you got to let at least all the bills for the month come through so you can get a good picture. I mean, I want gas, I want a pack of gum, cigarettes, you know, people think some things are really minor. They're like, well, I only play the lottery once a week, or I only, you know, all these little $1 lottery tickets. I don't know how much a pack of cigarettes costs, but they seem pretty expensive to me. But all these things that people assume are little, once they budget for the whole month and they write that, well, not budget, just, at this point, they're just recording, just tracking. Once they record and track that for the whole month, it's it's very eye-opening when, when you see how much money you spend in these places, you think you're not spending a lot of money. So um, that's typically where I start. Is there something different that you do? Do you have different advice? Um, I, I start in a similar place. I'm glad you brought that up actually, um, because one of the obstacles that I had and a lot of my clients tend to have is um, when they're busy, they don't track. They, they will start it for a couple of days and they can't keep up with it. And that's why they haven't been managing their money anyway. And so one of the things that I was super intentional about figuring out is how to budget for busy women. What do we need in order to be able to, to track? So I just realized I started um, using cash. Uh, I don't know. It's probably been maybe about six or so years ago now that I started using cash for my incidental spending because I realized when I, when I used cash, I did not have to log everything because one of the issues I had was remembering to write down a pack of gum. Like I don't feel like pulling it out to log a pack mm -hmm. of gum. Um, and so when I would pull out cash each and every week, only thing I had to log was how much I withdrew. And so at that point, I've budgeted. I'm on budget as long as I, I can't possibly go over cash. If I'm at the grocery store and it comes up to, you know, $61.02 and I budgeted for $60, well, I need to look at my belt and put something back. There's just not an option to overspend. And so it became easy for me to, to figure out what I was spending um, by using cash. The other thing um, I, I do differently is when I'm using cash, You've, you're probably familiar with the envelope system, but I hated the idea of the like those ugly envelopes, like the actual envelopes. Right. So I'm actually working on designing a wallet that has like spaces to make it cute because I want something I can carry. Um, but I have a wallet currently with multiple categories. And so the way I was able to itemize my bill writing everything is every time I spend cash, I replace my cash with a receipt. So at the end of the week, I simply go into that category and pull out all of my receipts from the grocery store and I add them up. That's what I spent on groceries for the week. I go into the next category, which is because there's only a few things I swipe for. I mean, I'm swiping probably for, for snacks, lunch, batteries, I mean, I, odds are the, the little, the, the big things are on my, in my grocery, my grocery haul. So, you know, if I go to the store and buy clothes that comes from a different budget, there's, there's money being aside and I only shop for clothes like 
a couple of times a year. Um, so the receipts help me log everything. And that works for my clients because they can still give me the details what they're spending each and every month, but they're using cash so that they don't have to record it all every day. So they're recording once a week. Um, and uh, the budget itself, um, I start with figuring out where your money is. So for me, it's not that I want to know about your history with spending because that will reveal itself to me. It's more I want to know like how much money is supposed to be coming in and how much money do you believe is coming out. And so we go through every single bill, everything, every bill that you have to pay. And then we look at categories that you are not planning for. So I have a, um, a, a good friend of mine who is a client and I happen to know that she loves going to concerts. She goes to them all the time. And I remember we sat down to do our budget together and it wasn't on here. Like there was nothing, there was no space <laughs> for that. But I know that that's something she, it's going to be like food for us. Like, you know. <laughs> like, right. let's not pretend it's not going to happen. And I, and I tell, like, I don't, I don't care what you want to do. I don't, I'm not judging your choices. I'm just saying, put it on the budget. You got a shoe problem. Phenomenal. Let's budget for it. Like right. knock yourself out. Um, and so we were like, let's put these things that we know are going to happen. There was nothing in the gifts category, but I know that you're going to buy your kids gifts at Christmas. I hear you every time at Christmas time feeling grieved because you can't buy them what they wanted. Let's just plan for it. You know, birthdays are going to come up. Let's not pretend that it's that happen every year are surprises. Your property tax in Virginia comes twice a year. We know what's going to happen. So we look at the budget and figure out all the normal things, but then also the other things that are just simply not being planned for right. and create savings accounts for those things. So um, you talked about childcare earlier, Link. Um, one of those areas is like, for me, my daughter is at the age where she's old enough to come home after school for, and be home for like an hour or two by herself. So if I was getting off of work, I'd be fine with that, but I wouldn't be comfortable with her being home an entire day. So in the summertime, I put her in camp. Well, that's a huge spike in expense from all year paying nothing, nothing, nothing. And then for three months, I've got to pay a couple hundred dollars a week. And so I just figure out what that expense is for three months divided by 12 and I budget for it all year long. And so that's what I teach people to do, to think about what these these random incidental expenses that happen same time every year. Let's figure out what they cost and let's figure out what you would need to budget for every month so that when it comes up, you have the money for it. Right. So again, uh, that, you know, you're singing to my ears, basically. <laughs> um, not only do I try to teach that, uh, if you saw last week's episode that was on video, you saw a picture of the, um, or you saw the image, the picture in my office that says, do something today that your future self would thank you for. I live by this. I always plan for the future. And of course, there's things that come up that you're just not going to be prepared for or knowledgeable of. But um, yeah, saving that money in advance for things that you know are going to happen. You know Christmas is going to come every year. It never changes dates ever. So you know these things are going to happen. I don't like to be stressed. I don't like to really be stressed about money. I don't think anybody likes to be stressed about money, but I really don't like to be stressed about money. So making the sacrifice in advance to not have the stress and the headache later for me is just, uh, it's like heaven to my ears. It's just, a, it's a, such a stress reliever for me. So I love that. Yeah, and I, I think, I think getting into the mind of, uh, potentially the mind of your customers um, or your clients, not customers, uh, for me, it would be like, I think that what we, what we anticipate is the opposite. We anticipate, all right, when 
Christmas comes around, it's going to be in December. So I get paid twice <laughs> in November and then one more time right before Christmas. So yeah, I'll be good to get that. You know, and then when you really look at it, it's like, yeah, you got paid, but you had all these bills that you didn't account for. You had all these other expenses that you didn't account for. Uh, and the car broke like, down. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanksgiving just happened. Like, right. And we don't right. think about Thanksgiving. You know, like, especially me, I'm, my parents are older than me. You know how we do. We go to our parents' house. You know what I mean? So I'm not paying them for Thanksgiving. Maybe maybe some money for gas. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that, I think that's where our mentality is. And um, I think you said something really great. And this, this is going to, like, kind of swoop around everything. So culturally, we have this, um, like, we kind of look down at the house hacking thing, where it's a bunch of, you know, we always made the joke, you know, all of that such and such group is living in that house, and, you know, um, but I think as things have turned around up north, because remember, they, they came from down south to up north to work, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of families are leaving up north at once in mass. It's like a mass exodus. Me. And I, and I yeah, exactly. And so what I'm seeing a lot of is like a, a child will say, a, an adult child will say, hey, mom, dad, I'm moving down south. You guys want to come with me? And they'll come down together and they'll they'll like help each other get down. And you have this group who will live together. They'll actually live together. But once they figure like, hey, I got enough money, you know, to do what I need to do, they'll go and get little cheap apartments. They'll come down and probably rent something, go and get little cheap apartments on their own and completely disperse from that mentality of, hey, why don't we buy the block back? Mm -hmm. um, or they'll all come down and they'll live in separate places, but they'll help each other like, oh, you, you need to get your car registered. All right, let's, you know, let's all put together a little bit of money. But if we took, so we, we're getting there, but even with us getting there, we still don't have that, you know, we still don't quite have that mentality of, hey, let's buy things, let's own things together. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just I just thought that was a great point. That is a really good point that we we struggle I think on on one level with trust. Um, that's part of the reason why we have a hard time kind of working together, and and it only requires practice for us to get better at trusting each other. So somebody's got to be able to start this cycle where we understand we're on the outside looking at these other cultures do it. And because we're not on the inside, we don't know that they had a bigger picture. So I, when you said that we were laughing, I literally flashed back to me being as a kid, making jokes about, you know, their life. But if I knew what the intentions were, I would have thought, I would have, I would have thought that was actually pretty brilliant. I just thought they're poor. They don't make enough money yeah. to have their own place. And so they live together. And that was that was the end of it. And I think the other piece is exactly that. We because we thought that about them, we're afraid that other people will think that about us. And so because we value other people's opinions, we have a hard time making that decision, especially if we've gotten to a place where we have arrived, where we have our own place. We feel like people will think, well, you looks like you're backpedaling. And it's like, no, you have to explain that to everybody. And it's like, no. this is why, you know, I feel like it's important to shout this to the mountaintops to get people to make that the wave so that it becomes easier for people yeah, to make that choice. You don't have to explain why you're making the financial decisions that you do. Um, for instance, like, like Kai says, I invest, I invest a lot. Uh, people, I'll, I'll try to share with people, hey, this is the investments uh, that this is the investment that I'm making. Hey, it's doing pretty well. And immediately I'll have people asking me for money or asking me to borrow money. And when I say, hey, I don't, I don't have it. Oh, I thought you was a big investor. Yeah, that's the, that's the point. That's why I don't have it. For my future. Exactly. <laughs> I don't care about what you think. I, I, like, this is why I wanted to be honest, because I throw the majority of my money into investing. 
I will be bro. I will eat ramen noodles for months and have like $30, $40 to my name just so that I can throw the majority of my money into investing and make up for those years in college where I was getting like, you know, money from the GI bill and all that. And I was blowing it on sneakers on. So I'm trying to make up for it. So that's just, that's just a great point. Uh, I don't care about what people think. And I, I think that's where we need to get. Yeah. Most people do though. They do care. And so for me, the, the more that Kai is out there and you're out there and I'm out there sharing that this exists, that this is a thing, first of all, and that it is good to do, the, the more we can break down the stigma. It's kind of like talking about mental health. The more we talk about it, the, the less people are afraid of other people's opinions and the easier it is for them to make that decision because I don't I know they don't have to explain it to me or to anyone else but I know that they feel like they do and I want to take that off the plate so that they can go ahead and just do what they what we're telling them when yeah. Kai gives them advice that they're following it without hesitation because they're not concerned because they know that oh everybody's heard of this now it needs to be, become mm. something that they know is normal right now it's 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 not normal to them they don't understand it as a business strategy they don't understand it as a as a wealth building strategy yet and so i'm trying to normalize that as a as an idea that having a roommate is a is a business strategy it's not i'm struggling with money i have a roommate you know on the most simple level just getting a roommate you got an extra room in your house you know your cousin is like why y'all both y'all both got kids <laughs> together help each That's other out point. i got a good friend in atlanta actually uh who he, he purchased the business and he gave up his house for the business and he moved him and his his wife and his four children into the back of the into the office of the of the business they were all sleeping on two wraparound couches and he saved money for like i think it was like three or four years and bought a house in cash <laughs> saving mm -hmm. money and I'm like, you know, and he's, I, you know, I would be back there with him. And he was telling me like, this does nothing for my pride. What, what, would, what would do something to hurt my pride is not having financial or generational wealth for my, for my children, for my daughter to have to ask a man or for a man to be able to hold over what he has over my daughter's head and her not mm -hmm. be able to say, hey, my dad can do that for me. What can you actually bring to my life for value? Like that had me, peace to Denroy Adhill. Uh, good, good friend of mine, good brother from Boston. Um, yeah. So, so I'm just thinking with the house hacking mm -hmm. pretty, I'm, you know, I was raised in a, a, Evanston's a pretty small town and both my mother and my father are from Evanston. So several generations and how close I was growing up with my cousins, my first cousins. So I'm just thinking about it now. We pretty much all of us own property, you know, wherever we live, almost all my cousins own property. And we were very close. I mean, we were raised, I don't have brothers, but my three first cousins, they were boys. So me and my sister had three male cousins. They were all the Michelins. They were boys and we were very close. So how much would we be ahead or how much sense would it have made for us who were already close, raised almost like siblings to have purchased a property together, lived in it together and did, the house hacking, save enough money that the next house was purchased and half of us moved into that one. And, you know, then they started having children and we helped watch each other's kids. Cause these are things we did anyway, but we did it from different locations. So right. that would have been, you know, life changing. And we're from a place where taxes are very high. Property is very expensive. That, you know, that would have been, that would have been a game changer. 
I, I was going to say that that's kind of why I want to catch these kids coming right out of college because they're at a point where lifestyle creep hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. They haven't had kids yet. And if they adopt that early, that you already are used to living in quads, you know, so you have sweet yeah. kids. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? You're used to that lifestyle. Yeah, military, you said that about the military. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, y'all already exactly. used to living on base. You know, if you, it's not a hard mindset shift from you to go from that lifestyle to house hacking for just a few years. Like you said, this doesn't have to be forever. Long enough for all of y'all to have enough money to buy your investment property in cash and be able to, like as a temporary solution, not as a forever. I tell people this, is, this doesn't have to be your forever well, We do home. that. The only thing is we rent in college and as military. We get, oh, I don't want to live off base, on base anymore. So we'll go and get like a three bedroom house. It's $1,500 and each pay 500. Instead of getting a three bedroom house um, buying a three bedroom house for a mortgage is like $500 and, 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 and splitting it that way. Like we, and that's another thing I wanted to say with Kai talking about property taxes, because property taxes lost our house in, in, in Jersey that we grew up in tax liens. Mm -hmm. Everyone talks about a certain, uh, a certain, um, what is it called? Uh, not epidemic, uh, a certain group of people basically owning all of the property but they're doing this by leveraging tax tax liens. So what that means is, so our family, our family home got taken because, because my aunt didn't pay the taxes on it after my grandparents passed. So what happened was the, the county or, you know, Union County put it in the paper. Hey, we have this, this lien on this home. And if you pay the lien, you can foreclose on the home and keep the home. So let's say that the lien, the, the home was worth a few million at this time. It was the early 2000s. So, uh, excuse me, it, was, it, was, it would be worth a few million now. I don't know how much it was worth back then. So they paid the lien on the house. They paid the foreclosure cost, but, you know, I guess an attorney or whatever. And they bought a two-family home, the duplex, the up and down, the up and downstairs, one front door home with a full, base, uh, full attic and a full basement for probably about $1,500. You can buy a tax lien for as little as a dollar. And as much as, as millions, but anywhere in between, if you have $500, $5,000, you don't need a real estate license. People are always worried about what's the first thing they ask you about, Kai and, and, and Betty, when they want to buy a house. Well, what about my credit? You can get a tax lien home. They're not checking your credit and, and do the same house hacking. And now you don't have mortgage. Now you don't have any of that. Now you're just paying whatever the tax, excuse me, taxes are on that, on that property. So I think that's something that we really need to address too. You said something that was important though. You, you talked about renting in the military and y'all splitting it up the, the, the difference is right is is that there was no intention behind it it's like you are i mean it's it's i always say like you can house hack while you're still renting like i'm not you know what i mean because you need to get the money to be able to buy the property okay fine but then when you were saving your money what was your intention with that difference that you're saving and so the reason why it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> get chargers. I always say the get military chargers, started getting chargers. Yeah, <laughs> Mustang, F-150 yeah. if you're from the South. <laughs> right. I've got my F-150. Yeah. yeah, you, um, if it's the only piece that you were missing from that puzzle was there was no vision yeah. around the savings. It was just, well, we are saving money living here, but then what? And so if I can catch these military people who live in this area, these young ones, these students that are coming out of college, you know, why I'm passionate about, you know, um, women, I feel like I see it every day and it pains my heart. Like as a being a, um, a financial aid advisor for years, I watched them oh, come wow. in and out, throwing their GI bill away. Like you said, watch the students coming in, racking up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in debt. And it just, 
it kills me because they don't know and they and they they're craving knowledge they want to know they'll come to me they when they start realizing that i i know more about money than financial aid. You know, they come to me with their questions. It's like they don't have any resources. They don't have a kai. Financial coaching is a relatively new industry in the first thing, first place. It wasn't you. You know, look back 15 years, there was nothing called a financial coach. Mm-hmm. So people who were in in between didn't have a person to go to for wisdom because you had, if you were in poverty, you had social services to assist you. If you you were really wealthy, well, budgeting it doesn't become super important to you. You got financial advisors and wealth managers who are able to help you leverage that. But if you were in between and paycheck to paycheck, you were in that gap. Well, who was your person? Because financial advisors don't you ain't got enough money for them to talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> Especially back then. Like now you can get into advising with, you know, twenty-five dollars, yeah. start, you know, investing. But back then you could you had to be able to buy a minimum number of about, shares about or something and at minimum dollar point. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to talk yeah. to you. So financial coaching is so important because it helps leverage the everyday person's dollar. I'm thinking now to help with that trust factor, um, laying out the plan, laying out the vision, um, how are we going to do this? So we have a, a, a blueprint, we have a game plan. If we all live here and we all make, you know, you make your income, I make my income, but we write out the plan. I'm going to personally save an extra $500 a month from house hacking. You're going to save $1,000 a month. You make more money than I do. You're going to save $1,000. you are going to save this much. I mean, we could write out the game plan so that it's very clear. When we leave this property, who, who's going to take ownership of it? You know, are we going to sign over the one property to one family and then the other families move on? You know, whatever the plan is going to be. We can write it out. We can have a timeline. It's not a permanent, you know, it's not a permanent situation. Um, I'm hoping that maybe if, you know, now my mind is going, I'm like, okay, this could be its own project and its own Absolutely. separate project now, <laughs> trying to get people into this and, and to overcome this trust factor, just have it all written out. It's a legal document. We all yeah. sign it. We all agree to it. We, we come up with the, the plan together. So it's not one person just kicking everybody out on the timeline mm-hmm. we all agree together um but yeah that's so important i wish i would have listened yeah. when they told me yeah. to do the same thing to buy the fourplex for the, my first uh, i mean first- yeah yeah legal document is very important because you know our families watch judge mathis and judge judy and all that when you hear a legal <laughs> document people start taking it seriously you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying so I, I think maybe that was the part that was missing all right now we all are on paper like if you put somebody on paper mm-hmm. at a job we're on paper now you got to do it Maybe we do need to start with that. I well, think because that- other cultures, like you said, they, they've been this way for centuries. It's We're ingrained, it. right? Yeah. It's ingrained in them. So they don't need the document. They're like grandma did it. Great, great grandma did it. Great, great, mm-hmm. great, great grandma did it. You know, it's, it's ingrained in them. So there's no trust factor. And we all understand in that culture how this is going to work. And we yeah. don't have that so much. Or we kind of had it at one point. We, we did. It's been yeah, the last 50, 60 years that we haven't. So we did. We now did. maybe we need to go backwards. Exactly. We need to write it down exactly. so it's very crystal clear for everybody. There's no misunderstanding. No one's going to get out ahead of anybody else or take all the money and run. It's going to be equal for everybody. Um, Betty, when you were talking about the budgeting, um, so when mm-hmm. I did it personally and what I do tell people is because it is tedious writing down everything, I just tell people to always get a receipt. I know I'm going back some steps, but just get the receipt, get the receipt, throw it in your purse, throw it in your wallet, throw it, whatever. At the end of the night, put the receipt wherever you need to put it so that you can track it and log it later. But um, I just wanted that's, to- That's very smart. I like, I like that. 
it's pretty much the same thing um except when they're using debit cards so thank you for sh- for for uh, saying that for people who have who cannot give up swiping um take those <laughs> cards take the card. you know it's a, you know, the reason why i have my clients do the cash thing and i say listen you can do it go you can if you are dead set some people live in areas where they only can use cards and i know blink you guys being both of you guys are into digital currency you know that cash is not going to be an option very long we talked about this before but the reason why i have my clients do 30 days um plastic list and go cash is because i want them to feel the emotional attachment to money the difference and how easy it was to swipe versus spending the exact same amount of money with cash and it is very very alarming for them they they don't realize it until they do it, how much harder it is to hand over a hundred dollar bill mm. than it is to swipe for a hundred dollars. It mm. is, there's an emotional connection we have to our money, our physical money yeah. that yeah. we do not have with plastic. With that card, yeah. So I love that. Telling the card like, isn't real. Yeah. yeah, it feels, it, yeah, it's, it's spending for real now. Right. So what my daughter told me when she was a toddler, I don't, she was pretty young at the time and we were in the store, you know, some target or something like that. And they had a toy, a toy section. And so she wanted me to buy her something, mom, can you buy me this, whatever ABC? And I was like, no, no, I don't have money for that. And she was like, please, you know, kids, please, 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 mom. I said, see, I don't have money to buy this toy. It's not in my budget. I stick to the budget most of the time. And so I'm telling her, it's not in the budget to buy this toy. And she literally said to me, what about that little I don't think, remember she called the plastic thing or the square yeah. thing in my wallet. She literally said that as a little kid. I said kid. that to my mom. I said, you can like, go to the machine and take it out. Yeah, she told me to pull that little plastic thing out my wallet. Yeah. You, well, mommy, you don't need cash. You don't need a bill. Just pull that Great little point. that little plastic thing out. And I was just like, man. Wow, Kids yeah. are watching. They are watching. My daughter did the same thing. We would, um, when I would take her to daycare, we had to pass by um, the bank I rode past my bank every day, dropping her off. And it was a McDonald's right next door. And so uh, the very first day she was like, we were riding by and she was like, um, mommy, well, we, you know, I'm at the ATM getting cash out of the machine and she was looking at it, you know, just processing. And she was like, so you put the card in there and then you get money out. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, but you got to put money in in order to get money out. And so she was like, okay. So the next day she was like, can we get McDonald's? I said, no, I don't have McDonald's money. And she was like, well, can you get some money out of the machine? I was like, no. (laughs) The way it works is I work all week and I get paid. When I get paid, they put money in the account, right? So we're maybe a few days go by and she was like, mommy, did you get paid? And I was like, and I had my, I completely forgot about the whole McDonald's thing. And I was like, yeah why she was like so you got money and i was like yeah we go to that magic machine so can we get some mcdonald's the fact that she was digesting all of that i was like you know what just because you went through that whole (laughs) process at two years old yes you can get some mcdonald's today uh you know what? You she went through it like okay, so she go to work yeah, she and she get paid, machine, and then you yeah, get the money out of the machine. Yeah. And that's that's, yeah. that's yeah, So that's she's she's been a sponge. Our kids are always watching, and I have been 
you know, I think she was the catalyst for me going from being homeless to being a homeowner because I knew she was watching. I would bring her with me to go look at, you know, houses. Even right now that I've left my job and I started my own business full time, she asked me just last week, well, how many clients would you need in order to be able to m replace your income? <laughs> like the questions, the questions she asked ask. are so yeah. thought out, you know, she'll, we'll go to the store. I went to the store the other day to go get some healthy stuff for headaches. I was trying to figure it out. Everyone gave me a grocery list. I think Link, you dropped me some options. Yeah, yeah, and I went to the grocery store and I walked past the wine aisle. Y'all know I do Super Safe Sundays. So I like my wine. And I seen all these new flavors and I was staring at the wine and she was like, is that on the budget? And is that going to help your oh, headache? Snap. She checks me. She keeps me in line. She looks like that's not on a budget. Like if I go and I'm grabbing something random, she's like, that's yeah. not on the budget, mommy. So I know that she's paying attention and it makes me proud that, you know, she's watching and it keeps yeah. me in line. Um, but your kids are going to learn your behaviors one way or the other. What we're doing now is mostly because of what we saw growing up. If we didn't see it from our parents, it's because we saw it from our aunties, our uncles, you know, our trauma and our stories that we got to experience is, is why we do what we do with money. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people feel like, oh, if I, if I do a budget, then that will solve all my problems. It's part of the process. But a lot of what we do as Coaching Kai, and I know you know, is internal work. Mm -hmm. It's mindset. Mm -hmm. Why? You know, <laughs> the why money management is inside and outside. <laughs> yeah. Why does this, like, okay, you want to buy this house, but why? Well, because, but why this house? why what where what, what's your why like why is that important to you and sometimes when we unpack that why we discover that it's because well because everybody thinks like i'm supposed to be on my own like i'm supposed to have a house like this i'm supposed to have a white listening to your podcast talking about the white picket fence because i don't know it's something i'm supposed to check off my to-do list go to college check mm -hmm. get a job working in 40 years check buy a house white picket fence check like we think we're supposed to and we haven't really unpacked why these things matter to us and when we do that we'll discover stuff like actually i like to travel i don't even like to be home that much so why mm -hmm. would i invest in a three thousand square foot house that I don't even like doing yard work. And that's that doesn't even fit my ideal lifestyle. <laughs> right. And, then, and it was for the same reasons. Like, because well, well, the market was 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 crunched at the time. So I didn't have many options in my, you know, with my VA loan. But um, yeah, it's a five-bedroom house. It's just me. You know what I mean? Me and my daughter. Why do I have a five-bedroom house? I've never here the first two years. You guys know you see me always in New York, New Jersey, Connecticut. I was never even here. I didn't know where you lived. I yeah, I was in I was in Puerto Rico. I was in like I was all over the all over the East Coast in the Caribbean, and I was never home. So, but the reason for it usually is the same reason for when we get into the military. We gotta gotta buy the charge. We gotta buy the challenger because we've been told so much that we're not anything, or you know we've been we've been suppressed with so much lack that when we have it. Oh, we got to let you know we got it. So I have a, we, we had a guy in my unit and I know you've seen this, um, Betty. I know you've seen this, Kai. You, you were a military wife. The guy, it has a, a Camaro 2000, what was it? 2012 Camaro. It was like 2017. And he has a 2012 Camaro with 180,000 miles on it. And he's paying $537 a month. And the only reason I found out is because I was behavioral health. He was, on, he was in trouble for, you know, messing up his finances and getting in trouble. So they have to go through behavioral health. You know what I mean? And, and this is what we find out. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, why? Well, the kid's from Detroit, parents on welfare, father's on drugs. So he gets into the military. He's getting, what are we getting, Betty? I don't even remember. But back then, well, you, 
So like eighteen hundred oh. a month. He's getting eighteen hundred a month. Car payment is five thirty seven, but they've twisted it in his head. Hey, you could only you could pay this twice a month. Uh insurance, he was nineteen, so the insurance was 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 out of control. Hi. And and so I'm talking to him because I'm like the older one. You know what I mean? I came into the military after college, so I'm the older one who's you know, a younger rank. And uh I'm like, yo, why would you do that? Man, you never had SHIT. So when I seen that, and I could drive it back to Detroit, we're in Georgia, we were in Augusta. Mm-hmm. I could drive it back to Detroit, it looks good. Like just, you know, getting him to open up like that. And that's what it's about for us a lot of times. Um, looking like we have money. But when mm-hmm. you look at the people who actually have money, they don't look like anything. That's why I stopped wearing all the, you know what I mean, the brands and stuff. I was going to say, I don't know if you guys saw that documentary where they talked about um, why Black people are so exteriorly focused. And it, it talked about that idea of wearing brands because we didn't have it. It was the one way where we could feel mm-hmm. like a man. We, we could feel mm-hmm. like somebody to be able to show that we're not, we're, we're not nothing. And, and that was how we did it. And I understand it. I get it. Like, it's like, it's Absolutely. something where I'm not, when I think about that, that period of time, and that was right. the only thing that you had to, to make yourself feel good about that day and to get out there and grind, I get it. But we just need to unlearn it now because we don't need that anymore. anymore. Right. Yeah, we don't, it's, it's, it's not helping us at all, that mindset. And it's like, as soon as we can get over, like you said about getting rid of brands, I, over the summer mm-hmm. I did the No Spend September mm-hmm. Challenge and I started looking at my clothes and I was like, no, I'm getting rid of everybody's brand that's not my own. I'm wearing my shirt. If, it's, if, it, don't, if it ain't me or somebody I know, why, or a plain shirt, wearing, I'm not wearing it. Wearing it. And that, yeah. that's another thing. Like you, you guys talk about your children. Now, Betty, when you Betty and Kai, when you send your children to school, whatever, and you give them a budget, now you know automatically they're gonna stick to it. But what yeah. about all of the parents who their children have Nike everything, the little babies, Nike this, Nike that. You know, uh, 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 the little baby shoes, the Nike baby shoes are like 50 bucks. Yeah. That can go into a, a savings account for that child or, or cryptocurrency for that child. Yeah. We deal with this because, you know, my daughter has two households. She lives in two households. So she lives in my household. She lives in her dad's household and she has siblings in the other household. So obviously I can't control what they do there and how they spend the money there. But then when she's here, it is sometimes, mm-hmm. oh, they got new iPhones. You know, we're, we're going through that right now. They got iPhone 12 or yeah. 10 or whatever it is. And, and some of the children there are, are much older, but I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't do that. I don't, I don't spend money like that on iPhones. It's, it's a phone. You need a phone to make phone calls. And mm-hmm. my, my iPhone is not a new iPhone. Mine is old right. too. So I'm like, no, you know, there's no way you're getting a newer phone than mine, number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like I need the newest phone. You definitely don't need the newest one. Your Absolutely. phone is to call me in case of emergency. It's it's not Absolutely. for roll roadblocks and all this little stuff she's doing on it. <laughs> it's for something happens. I'm so you glad you brought this up. Your mother. <laughs> that, that is the point that you have a phone. I'm so glad you brought this up because something that I think that really needs to be highlighted is we don't realize that our children's needs and wants put a lot of pressure on us. Mm. So sometimes like I see parents who like, they really don't want to spend all of this on Christmas, but they are afraid of 
how their kids are going to feel when they go back to school. They're trying to shield them from shame and embarrassment. It mm -hmm. makes it even harder for them to make the right decision. Mm -hmm. And I know this earlier this year, right before COVID, I had um, my daughter wrote me a letter and it's, it's even hard for me to still share because it, it broke my heart. She wrote me a letter telling me that the kids at school were bullying her. And so in her, in her letter, she said that the kids were talking about how she must be poor because she doesn't have an iPhone. She has like a little, um, one of those uh, throwaway phones. Mm -hmm. And like a because, track phone. yeah, track phone and just, um, and because um, she doesn't have the, the latest sneakers or whatever it is, right? Or her sneakers were fake, I think is what she said. Um, and, and how, you know, just those things were making her feel less confident in herself and making her feel shame. And she just really had a hard time with it. And I woke up, when I read that letter, I just cried for hours and went in there and talked to her about it. And I said, let me tell you something. I said, first, you have to remember that because somebody says something about you, that doesn't mean that that, that is what it is. Right. You know why you have this phone. Why do you have this phone? I wanted her to tell me for herself. Well, I have this phone because you wanted me to prove that I wouldn't lose the phone, right? Because I'm not spending $1,000 on a phone that you're not responsible to take care of. This is your first phone. Right. Also, if you get on punishment, I'm not paying a monthly bill for a phone. So when you get on punishment, I simply don't buy you a new phone. Mm -hmm you know, new card, no track phone card, you know, for the month. I'm not wasting that money. Number two, when it comes to people saying things about you, a lot of times they're offloading what they have going on at home. Sometimes they have all these things that they don't know how their parents are financing this, but they all you know their parents are this close to foreclosure and buying things just to make it feel good. So don't assume that because somebody has a lot of things that it means that you have money. Don't make that about you. Not only that, Look what you're doing with your money. Your friend spent X, well, let's say an iPhone costs $1,000. You saved your money and what did you do with it? You paid your own way to the Bahamas. Oh, wow. She went on a cruise. We did a penny challenge together. She saved her pennies and she paid her own way to the Bahamas. Which would you rather have, Jordan? And she's like, the Bahamas. Absolutely. Easily. Absolutely. The Bahamas. Exactly. That so your friends have different priorities than you. That and, is but the thing is, it didn't change the fact that her feelings mm -hmm. hurt. Yeah. It, it didn't change the fact that her feelings were hurt by those those statements. And I think as parents, we have to learn how to have conversations with our kids that can help them feel, be on board with what you're doing as a parent, to, to educate them while you're going through the changing your budget process. This is not about poverty. This is not because we're struggling. This is because we have new goals. And if you're excited about these goals, we're in alignment with them. And it doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. I think that that's part of the conversation that has to happen when you're a family trying to get on on a budget so we are a traveling household over here so that's almost always my saving grace with the uh, what kids do or don't have and I, we travel my daughter's been to africa three times she's been to other countries and so that's always an easy out for me because typically almost every year we have a big out the country trip planned and almost nearly all the time, she's the only child that's been out the country. She's definitely the only child that's been to Africa three times at the mm. age of 10. So when we, when this comes up with us, I'm always like, hey, where are we going this summer? Where are we going this spring? You know, what are we doing this winter? And yeah. she, you know, she can always tell people, hey, we're on a budget because we're leaving the country this year. We're going here, yes, we're going yeah. there. Yeah. And the experience is more, is better than the stuff. You learn from yeah. the experience, you know, yeah, world I, I, I believe, I believe in, in talking back. So for Jordan, 
it would be like, all right, yeah, I got this phone because I'm learning responsibility. But hey, I also have, I also have this. I also have a savings. I also have stocks. I also have, you know what I mean? All the things. Do you have any of that? Do you even know what that is? Set the children up immediately. I volunteer with children. And when they would like say, oh, Mr. Link, you don't got on the newest sneakers. No, I don't have on the newest sneakers, but this is what I have in my cryptocurrency account. This is what I have. In, you know, this is how many shares of, of Nike that I do own. How many do you or your parents own? Like, I'll say that in a minute. And, you know, it's like, oh, you know what I mean? But they can't say anything after that. So I'm, I'll speak to both of them. I'll speak to Sheila and Jordan. Hey, this is what you say next time someone says that. Because like Betty just said, not only could their parents be dealing with foreclosure, their parents might also be on government assistance and have the money to be able to buy these name brand things because they're not saving their money. Someone's paying everything for them. And, you know, th this is not to, to slight anyone who's on government assistance because, I, you know, we had government assistance. But when, they, when, when your mother is actually saving her money and striving to do something for you, she's not going to have the money. So these children need to understand that. Our children need to understand that so they can go back and tell these kids, yeah, you got Nikes, you got this. But in, you know, in, in, in 12 years, I'm, I'm going to have a house and, and you're going to be living in some apartment. You feel me like that? That's how you crack back. Why not? Yeah. Because so, yeah. my mama has a plan. My, my, my household has a plan. <laughs> so we're all crack phones yeah. for the yeah. next five years because it, we're going right. to own something. We're going to go to yeah. the dealership and buy cash for a car. Mm -hmm. Track right. phones and tracking funds. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> put it on the shirt. Like, <laughs> go ahead, Betty. You got it. <laughs> I love it. I love that. I love that. I was fortunate that three days later, COVID happened and they ended up closing schools mm. because so I because I went to the school. I <laughs> After I had this come to Jesus yeah. conversation with yeah. her and built her yeah, up, I still up. showed up, as you know, <laughs> from her. And um, and we went to the we went to the school, and I'm standing in front of security, and she walked, you know, I built her up, went, got her some lunch because she had missed her lunch period, walked down the hallway. She comes back not even two minutes later, bawling, and I'm like, "What happened? Like I just sent you off? Good, some little girl, some new kid took her food, took her. She had her bag of candy in her hand and food, and was like, you know." You know what's this candy took it and snatched it and ran off with it and she just came back and was like you know she didn't grow up like me she didn't grow up fighting mm -hmm. so she's she don't know what to do she ain't never been fighting her life um and so she came back and it was like for the first time you know what i do see how people say they can hit somebody kid because <laughs> <laughs> real close to the edge of that but thankfully i you know that conversation is like i don't know you know i told her i said you these kids that come and they offload on you that you don't know what they're going home and they're dealing with. You know, for all you know, they're in a very abusive household. And so all that they can have, only time they do feel better when, is when they can come in bad. and offload yeah. on you. Do not make that feel like it's be, it's because you're, you're poor or because, you know, they're taking things from you because they don't mm -hmm. have something for themselves. And, you know, for me, it's like the approach is fine. Be curious, find mm -hmm. out why they're like that. Because most mean people are like that mm -hmm. for some reason. Um, but, I, you know, I feel like a lot of parents are not equipped with that conversational skill to be able to beat back those social pressures so that they don't go out of budget. Mm -hmm. They can't figure out how to have these conversations. They just instead feel guilty and go, you know what, I'm just going to buy the, buy, buy the thing. I'll figure it out after Christmas. Tax season is coming. I'll make up for it then instead of learning how to have more quality conversations that their kids will appreciate around the choices that they make with their money. And that's, and that's my question. Uh, you know, I'm the crypto guy, right? So as you all know, and as Kai and I have discussed, cash is getting ready to be phased out completely. Um, 
countries like China, you have their entire towns in the Netherlands that only transact using cryptocurrency. Um, Kai just told me a few months ago, we've been following FedCoin. I've been following FedCoin for years. And I knew that they were trying to like slowly but surely introduce it, but they were introducing it as, you know, in the stimulus package. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) there's going to be such a world where not only is the dollar phased out and you're going to get minimal exchange, you're going to be able to exchange for a minimal amount of Fed coin for your dollars. But how does budgeting work in a world like that where there is no physical dollars? That's something y'all going to have to tell me. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, working yeah. on it now. Well, I mean, I have some ideas. Uh, for one thing, one thing is uh, you have there. So there are wallets, right? So let's let me explain a little bit about cryptocurrency. We'll get into that. <laughs> cryptocurrency is a digital currency, um, and it's not as similar to you having money in a bank account and that card you guys talked about being able to swipe that card and that you can access it electronically, but it's only electronic. Mm -hmm. Um, And the difference between that and the card that you have from a bank is that bank controls the transactions on that card. No matter what, no matter how many times you swipe it, whatever, if the bank decides, Hey, you don't have the money and you know, you have the money, the bank can, you know what I mean? They, They can, they can freeze your account. They can freeze your account. They can freeze your account. They can they can reject the transaction. They can do all kinds of things. But with cryptocurrency, uh, each transaction is held on something called the blockchain. And what the blockchain is is technology. Um, it's similar to Google Docs or you know any Google Drive. You know how if you open up a Google Doc, whenever you make a change to it, Kai makes a change to it. If we're all on that doc, we can all see it. Mm-hmm. We can see the change. You can't change okay. the change. So it's the same thing with digital currency and the blockchain. The blockchain is where every transaction is recorded. Excuse me. So the difference is the people verify these transactions on the blockchain through something called mining. That's that's a whole other story. Mm-hmm. But it's not one entity. It's it's uh it's it's not um what do you call it? It's not uh centralized. It's decentralized. Everyone can see what's going on in this blockchain. So because of that, you don't have things uh, like double spending. You don't have people sending thousands and thousands or hundreds. Of, you don't have the CIA sending hundreds of thousand dollars into Los Angeles and, and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Newark and telling them, hey, you know, you could buy dope with this. And, oh, we don't know where the money came from. We don't know where the, you know, the guns came from. Everything is recorded. Everything is recorded. Just like that Google Doc. If I type in, hey, Betty, buy $100,000 worth of cocaine uh, with this money, you can see it. You can see it. You can see, hey, why is Link sending Betty $100,000 and now all of a sudden Betty has all this cocaine? You understand what I'm saying? Betty has, has no, no cocaine, cocaine by the way, guys. Link does not have $100,000 to send for cocaine. Okay? <laughs> Link doesn't have 100 k Betty has no cocaine. Don't knock on their doors. So, so but the point is, so the government, this has kind of limited the government in that they can't really track everything. That's why they had, at the uh, last year, they had this big um, this, this big complex against digital currency. So everybody was getting limited. Everybody was getting, you know, sanctioned and all this other stuff. So now what they've done is, Hey, I can't beat them. Let me join them. So while people are thinking, yeah, Bitcoin, 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 digital currency, they come in with the fed coin thing. And now fed coin is a digital currency, but it's centralized mm-hmm. in that the government controls it. Exactly. 
It's mm. by the government. So people are thinking, hey, I got digital currency too. Hey, everything is mass, they call it mass adoption when everyone adopts cryptocurrency. Hey, we're in mass adoption now. Yeah, but your cryptocurrency that you're using, it, number one, you can't, yeah, it's not the same. It's worthless. You're not going to be able to buy a lot of Bitcoin with it because if you could buy a lot of Bitcoin with it, you could completely leave FedCoin and go back to being decentralized and anonymous. It's another thing. You're, you're still anonymous in, bit, in, in, in cryptocurrency. That's a whole other story. But you're still anonymous in Bitcoin and the other decentralized crypt cryptocurrencies. But with this, you are not. There's an account that they assign to you. When you talk about the Bible and the market of beast and all that, and, and they say you have, you know, you have an account that you can only use for this, that, and the third, and everything is tracked, it would be with this coin. So I know I'm going off on like the conspiracy theory rant, but my point is, <laughs> my point is, so if you have everything that's in digital currency, how are you going to be able to budget without maybe printing out your own paper wallet? We have something that's called a paper wallet where you can print it out. And uh, anytime you transact, the person scans the wallet to either take money out of it or to send money to you. So maybe you can have your own separate paper wallet that you only use for spending. And you have a, um, an electronic wallet that has all of your, your main hub of, of, uh, of funds on it or maybe yeah. a digital card. Yeah, go ahead, Kai. I, I have lots. I have several wallets. I mean, I know you have several wallets yeah, too. Yeah, so yeah. we have trading wallets and I have investing wallets and I have security wallets and True. Okay. I, I'm going to have to, once I get everybody to the point of being on crypt, in cryptocurrencies, mm -hmm. that will be my suggestion is that they have several wallets. You know, the classes I'm teaching, I'm, we're just getting to one wallet. <laughs> we're yes. starting with one wallet starting and understanding one. how it works, how to move uh, currency on and off that wallet, how, you know, the, the QR mm -hmm. codes, how do these work? What's the pri private key? What's the, the public key? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if you are having problems budgeting now, when you have a cash option, when you have a credit card, when you have a debit card, it definitely can be more difficult when you have cryptocurrencies. What will not be more difficult is overspending. That's going to be eliminated because unless it is a credit card, there is no overspending in cryptocurrency. Mm, you can only okay. transfer what you that. have. So if you're only gonna be in cryptocurrencies, we're not gonna have an overspending limit. But That's the reverse true. reverse side of that is if you've overspent already and didn't pay your rent or your mortgage, you got a whole separate problem. Yeah, you're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. <laughs> now you have overspent and you don't have the money for the necessities. So yeah. and it's it's easier to get than people think. Yeah, I, oh, go ahead, Betty. My fault. I was gonna say, I mean, I can't wait for y'all to do a full cryptocurrency um episode because I'm just sitting here absorbing <laughs> and like <laughs> so I have excited. a class coming up. Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, December 8th, I have a class. Um, so that'll be the day before this actually airs. So on Eventbrite, I have a beginner's cryptocurrency class. It's introduction to cryptocurrency. You can find it on my page. I'll share the links again, but yeah, that's an intro class. Just really getting you to understand it. We are also going to have, I'll have several cryptocurrency episodes. Um, but yeah, the sooner you can get up to speed, the better, because we don't know for sure when the fed coin is coming i know Absolutely. they were trying for january 1st as far as i know my research it hasn't, hasn't, passed, hasn't yeah it hasn't passed, passed yet hasn't um, made it to congress well, but and they and keep submitting it so it's coming and it's easy it's easy to get cryptocurrency now if you have a cash app in most states i think in like 47 or 43 something some odd number um you can get cryptocurrency 
uh, on your cash app. What I would tell people is do not get cryptocurrency on your cash app if you cannot send and receive cryptocurrency from and to that cash app. Because what, what cash app will allow you to do is purchase Bitcoin. But the only thing you can do is sell it. Once it goes up, you can sell it for more cash. You don't want that. Bitcoin is a digital currency. So you want your currency to be able to use your currency. Spendable. You understand? You, to be spendable. you want your currency to be spendable. And that's why we're talking about budget, budgeting too, because uh, I go off on these tangents. I'll bring it back. It's circumstantial. Your currency, <laughs> your currency is an energy, right? And your, your energy is where you, know, where you invest things. That's why budgeting is very important. You want to be careful with your energy. You do mm. stuff for your money. And you, you know how they say, don't give energy to that. Don't give them your energy. It's the same thing with budgeting. You want to be very careful with your, your energy. So once things go to digital currency, right? I said I'd bring it back. Once things go to digital currency, you're going to have to be very careful with how you move and, and, and transfer that energy. So again, if you have Cash App, you can get Bitcoin on Cash App. I would suggest... Um, what do you use, Kai? I use you could use Coinbase. Coinbase is really easy. Yeah, and you know um, the good news. Crypto.com. I got an email this week from Coinbase that we have not had access to their card in Georgia. I know other states have had yep. it, but nope. I just I just got the email that says I signed up for the waiting list for the Coinbase mm. um, debit card. So mm. um, we BitPay for a long time was the only thing I could find in Georgia. Yep. Yep, that's what I had to get was bit paid when I was, uh-huh. uh, I just left Augusta two years ago. So yeah, so you can get cryptocurrency on Coinbase. I mean, excuse me, on Cash App, but you have to make sure that you enable withdrawals and deposits. And what that's going to require is a front and back picture of your ID um, and, they'll, and they'll verify it. Now, <clears throat> if you don't have Cash App, I would suggest something called Atomic Wallet. People are asking me, how much should I get? How much should I get? As much as you can. Why? Because say you got thousands of dollars in the, uh, in, in, in the bank right now. And tomorrow they say, hey, FedCoin is passed. Any dollars that you have, you can buy a little bit of FedCoin, but you're not, it's not going to be much. Um, then all of that money that you were saving is gone. Whereas if you get a BitPay card, if you get a um, Crypto.com card or a Coinbase card, you can have your money... In cryptocurrency on that card, right? But you can put it in uh, a cryptocurrency called US dollar tether or USDT. So it, it maintains the same value as the dollar so that when you want to spend, you can still spend it as a dollar. However, it's still encrypted currency, so they can't just wipe it out, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, and if you guys have any questions, link green dot the T-H-E-K-H-E-M-I-S-T. Um, at gmail.com, linkgreen.thechemist with a K at gmail.com, or Kai, like she says, she does her classes December 8th. But I just want you to make sure that you have your money encrypted because they're about to wipe out the US dollar. That's all I want to say. So, yeah, um, okay. I'm going to start Bye-bye. winding this down, but definitely I'm going to put everybody's um, contact information in the show notes and every place else. So, everybody will be reachable. Um, I don't mind. I am not a selfish person. We are all over the country. We're, we're all in different places. So you guys can mm-hmm. tell we're doing this um, recorded through Zoom today. We're not all in person. Um, so we're all located in different parts of the country. I am going to share everyone's information. Feel free to reach out to whoever you feel comfortable with, whoever you think has the expertise that you're looking for or will be the best coach for you. 
that is fine with me. I'm going to have more episodes on cryptocurrency. I'm hoping Betty will come back again and join us. Um, definitely check her page. She's got, okay, so Betty, I saw your retreat. I'm really interested, but it's on my birthday. So that has been my hesitation. The, your uh, retreat is actually on my birthday and I already have some birthday plans, but um, yeah, they've got, they both have really good things going on. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they, they both have a wealth of information. So I want everybody to reach out, follow Betty. She's very active on her pages. Um, Link is very active on his page. Link does a really good job on going live. Betty shares a lot of information. Oh boy, Betty, I want to be like you when I grow up. Betty uh -huh. is, she's diligent on her page. <laughs> Me, I'm getting there. Um, so yeah, if you guys have any last minute, something you want to share, I'd like to give each of you the floor bed. If you want to go first and share anything you'd like anybody to know. Sure. Just where you can, uh, find me, of course, um, um, young rich rooted, um, at young rich rooted on Instagram, on Facebook, um, pretty much at, at anywhere. Um, a website, www.youngrichrooted.com. Um, if you want to kind of go to read a little bit more about me and my uh, future billionaire daughter, Jordan. Um, <laughs> um, that's pretty much it. I just want to encourage people to be remain rebellious, to lead with vision. Um, and the sky is their limit. They can have anything they want as long as they budget for it. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Mr. Yeah. Green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys can find me on Facebook as Link Green and Chemist. Um, just type in Link Green and Chemist on IG as at Link Green underscore the chemist with a K instead of a C. Um, let's see. Oh, YouTube, Link Green and Chemist. And I do have a completely introductory video to digital currency, cryptocurrency, teaching you if you know, I mean, you can, you can teach your children with this video. You can show them the video and 10 or older, they'll be able to get it. So I guarantee uh, you'll be able to get the gist of cryptocurrency from this video. I also do classes. Um, Kai and I are kind of trying to go back and forth with the classes to um, get as many people as possible in our uh, following um, to get ready for this cryptocurrency shift. So please hit me up. Um, did I say Gmail? Yeah, Link Green, The Chemist, linkgreen.thechemist at gmail if you have any questions and just put um uh ready set free show question or something like that so i know where the questions are coming from thank you for your time kyle betty thank you i appreciate you ladies you are wonderful amazing Both. thank you thank you thank you, you kyle for having me on your show i really I, I was so excited i listened to your podcast and obsessed already only just a couple episodes yes. in so to be able to be on your show so early in it you know in, in the podcast yeah. It's an honor, man. Thank you so much, Kai. No this, this podcast is going to do amazing things. Yeah. Let me tell you, when Link introduced us, I was excited. When you were kind of telling me the history of yourself, I just, because you were repeating things that I had only had three or four shows at that point. So the things you were saying, I'm like, man, we discussed this already. We discussed, I was like, this, she is perfect. She is perfect to bring on. Mm -hmm. So I definitely will be working together in the future. I've got plans for you, got plans with you. Um, so thank you guys both for coming Absolutely. on. I appreciate everybody who's listening. I hope everybody learned something. Again, the whole purpose of this podcast is to become financially free, emotionally free, spiritually free, and or mentally free and, and physically free. Mm -hmm. So we discussed quite a few freedoms and we went through a lot of the topics today. So we did budgeting, um, we did cryptocurrency, we did real estate. So, um, 
I will alter the title as such that you're going to get a, quite a bit <laughs> this episode. I'm very excited about that. Got kind of got a three for one and we will come back later. I'll come back. I'll bring on some of the same people. I'll bring on additional experts and we will dove, um, dive deeper into these topics again. So they will, everything will come back around and we'll have more detailed conversation. Um, again, so link, uh, we want you to click, subscribe, share, comment, rate, review. Everybody's contact information will be in the notes. Be, uh, feel free to um, reach out to me or anybody else. Or if you can't find uh, the person you're looking for, just reach out to me and I'll, I'll surely get it to you. So again, thank you guys for coming. Thank everybody for listening. I hope everybody has a really good day. Thank you for checking in with Ready, Set, Free Podcast. Your host, Kai Wilson. Bye-bye. Uh, 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 uh.